All right. Well, good morning once again, everybody. We're glad you're here. Can you say good morning? Good morning. Good morning. Awesome. Okay. Don't want you to fall asleep out there. We're, we're glad you're here. How about our kids? Can we just give God Woo! praise for them one more time? That's awesome. So good. So good. Well, hey, uh, I am very privileged and honored to have back with us a good friend of mine and a fellow pastor. It's you uh, at Lutheran Church of Hope. Uh, Everybody give a big round of applause to Andy Hermanson back today to help us out. And I'm glad to see that our text message conversation worked out. That's right. Jeans and a button down today, the official Lutheran pastor attire. That's right. Uh, (laughs) Believe it or not, many moons ago, back in the day when we were just young lads, uh, if you remember, Andy was on staff here at Hope Des Moines as well, and he beat me in the beard growing contest, and so we had to let him go. Uh, No, that's not true. Andy is doing awesome things in, uh, in servant leadership and leadership development and also taking the core class that we developed here at Hope Des Moines and developing that across all of our campuses and taking it deeper and wider. And so it's been really fun to see how something that started here now is, is growing and, uh, and seeing fruit across all of Hope. But uh, because it's Q&A today, I brought in the best theologian I know, and that's oh, yeah. my buddy Andy. So uh, we are really glad that you uh, are here today. I, I love that video. It's a really short clip, and if you listen to it closely, I think it gets to what we're after today. There's a younger boy talking to uh, an older man and saying, are my questions allowed? Is, is, is Christianity a place where I can be real and honest, or do I have to stuff it? Do I have to keep those things inside? If I'm struggling with things, if I'm doubting with things, uh, do, I have to, do I have to just kind of suck it up and pretend that everything's okay? And the answer is no. We want to be the kind of church where questions like that are not only allowed, but they are celebrated. Because asking questions is a really good thing, and we want you to bring your questions. So as I'm talking here and we're doing the first couple, if you have some things that pop into your head, the, pop into your head, the, the ushers will um, be passing around those baskets maybe one more time. And uh, if you have some questions, we have a lot, but we'll take more. We'll try to get to as many as we can. Uh, but if you want to pass those around one more time, we can get another one as well. But if you think about it, the Gospels in particular, in particular are full of doubts and questions. Jesus is ascending to heaven. So think about this, Andy. Jesus just came back from the dead. You, these people just saw Jesus rise again, and it says, and they worshiped him, but there's a little verse that says, and some still doubted. Right, right. What? What? And that gives me a lot of comfort to know that as I'm following Jesus and I'm seeking to be faithful It is okay to have questions. It is okay to have doubts. It is okay to have fears. That's a regular part of our faith, and we wouldn't have this massive stack of questions up here if you didn't, and that is a really, really good thing. Uh, Faith is not the opposite, or doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. It is very normal and natural to have doubt, and so we want to encourage you with that, and as we kind of get started this morning, just to set the stage, I want to just read a little part of what the kids read for us this morning in our uh, scripture passage from Isaiah 55. Verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Seek the Lord while he may be found. God, the God of the universe is saying, Seek me. Come for me. Pursue me. Be in a relationship with me. And I want to be close to you. I think about God as our Father. And as Andy and I are fathers, and there's a lot of other fathers, that God is our father, God is a good parent, we love nothing more for our kids to run up to us with lots of questions, with whatever they're struggling with, and God's the same way. And so we come to him in confidence today. But the other verse I want to read uh, for you today is verse 8, and it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord, 
Neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So at the same time, we have this accessible, welcoming God that says, come and bring me whatever doubts or struggles you have today. God also says to you this morning, don't forget I'm the one that's holding the galaxies in the palm of my hand. Don't forget that I'm the one that put breath in your lungs this morning. Don't forget the magnitude and the majesty and the glory and the largeness of our God. And at the same time, it makes it all the more unbelievably amazing (laughs) that that same God says, bring your questions to me. And so Andy and my desire today isn't so much to point you to what we think the answers are. And we may say, I don't know. (laughs) And that's okay. Uh, If we knew all the answers, then we would be God. And if you knew all the answers, you would be God. And that would be very scary. And that would be a very bad thing. Uh, And then he would cease to be God. But we don't. There are some things this side of heaven, living in a broken world, we do not have the answers to. And one day, maybe we will. But right now, we don't. And so we're going to do the very best we can to point you to God's word to point you to scripture, uh, and to be honest with you. And I think we'll have a little fun along the way. Don't you oh, think, Andy? Yeah. All right. You guys ready for this? <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, so just so you know, we have a stack of questions up here, probably 50, 60 questions, and we're probably going to get to a, do- a dozen or so. And there's so. a whole spectrum with it. So last night we kicked it off. We'll do the best we can. I was sitting at a table in the back. Oh, more. more. Good. Yes. And my eight-year-old gives me a question that stumped me right off the bat. So throw anything you want at us. She asked me what Noah's wife's name was. Yes. And I had a question for her. Like, why are you even asking that? Where did that come from? Andy didn't know, so he passed it to me, and I said, Mrs. (laughs) Noah. So that's how we started it off. So we're going to have some highs and some lows and everywhere in between. So Andy, do you want to kick it off for us? Well, yeah, I also want to throw this one out there. This isn't even a question, but we'll entertain it anyway. It says, please sing for us. Who are these people out there? Who are these people? Please sing for us. You don't don't want that. Let it go. There you go. All right, done. All right. Uh, do you want me to do another one, or does that count? I, I, no, that going? does not count. Okay. No, no. <laughs> All right. Uh, a nice light one here. What is the deal with hell? Uh, I apparently missed that <laughs> sermon. Uh, and I'll piggyback that one with this one. Since yeah. Jesus died, if someone has never heard of Jesus, uh, will God provide a way to go for them, I presume, to go to heaven? Wow. Great questions. Really right? good questions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, wrestle with the one, this one as well uh, myself at times. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind when you think about, especially people who have never heard, uh, what does that look like? What are the implications of that? I go back to Romans 1 all the time. And if you look there at the beginning, uh, probably even in the first half of the first chapter, Paul talks about this idea, how from the very beginning of time, God's been revealing himself through creation. Uh, these invisible, uh, well, the, the tangible qualities of an invisible God are made known all around us. Uh, and so I guess that's enough for me to hang my hat on uh, this idea that I think, I think God has written into every single one of us uh, a, a desire and a need uh, to be in relationship with him. And I think all of us spend uh, our lives working out trying to satisfy that hunger in one way or another. Now, whether people actually can name the name of Jesus and you know all that stuff, I mean, it gets, it gets pretty pretty challenging pretty quick to be able to speak with any kind of authority on that. Uh, but I also really cling to this idea. I think it's, I think it's Second Timothy. Maybe it's First Timothy. But um, one, one of, I believe it's one of those. And it could be First Peter as well now that I think about it. Uh, but I know it's crystal clear in there. God desires everybody to be saved. There's, there's nobody yep. that God has written off. Yep. And no matter where you're at, what you've done, uh, whether you've heard of him or not, I would argue, I think God has put things into your, all of our stories to, to give us uh, the opportunity to turn towards him. And I, 
look at, like, we spend a lot of time going through our own stories and helping other people go through their stories. And it's amazing to me, Romans 8, 28 talks about God working everything in our life for our good. Uh, that's been a really hard verse for me to swallow at times, especially when you look at some of the crappy stuff that goes on in this world uh, and happens to people. Um, but I'm convinced that it's true. It takes time sometimes. Uh, but I, think, I don't think we can take credit for a lot of the faith that we have and a lot of the work that God has done in our life. It seems like he's relentlessly pursuing us. And if you need no other evidence than that, I would just look at the fact that Jesus sent or God sent Jesus to us, uh, to the cross for us. If you want to know whether God loves you or whether he's willing to risk everything to get you back, I think the cross is a great place to begin. Yeah. So other than that, I would just say, going back to this other one too, what is the deal with hell? As a church, we believe it's real. Uh, I don't necessarily think that the devil's waiting there with a pitchfork and there's lots of flames. Uh, when you look at the way that it's talked about in scripture too, it's it gets a little tricky. Uh, Gehenna is the word that's often used in the New Testament to talk about that, which is actually Jesus is using a metaphor there for uh, the dump that was outside of town. And so he, uh, Jesus believes that there's an eternal separation from God, which is exactly how I would define hell. And it's, it's the worst possible scenario, but not, not because people are being tortured there or God's beating people up or whatever. I think it's simply an absence of the presence of God. That's how I would define hell, which is which a lot different than we think of it. Because we think of, of it as like yeah. a nice Neapolitan cake, right? You've got, you've got the good stuff on top, the questionable <laughs> stuff in the middle, and then the awful stuff on the bottom or right. whatever. Uh, and and I, would, I would say it's, it's much different than that. It's yeah. not, we think upwards and downwards, but I think it's really God loves us enough to give us what we want. And if we decide in this life we want nothing to do with him, then he'll say, okay. Like, I'm willing to give you that. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's what, how I would define that, is people who have asked for that, and they've found them in uh, a different place, so, which is separated from God, which is not, I, we're not created not to live in those be. conditions. That's right. so. Boy, we just start, start off with, a, with an easy one, right? Uh, do you think that we should welcome people of other faiths besides Christianity? Yes. Absolutely. It depends what you mean by welcome. If by welcome you mean, should we be friends with them? Should we love them? Should we serve them? Should we seek to reach out to them? Should we seek to understand where they're coming from and know their stories? Absolutely. It's how we grow and it's how we share our faith with uh, people of other faiths. They are searching. They are hungry. And Jesus never turned anybody away that was seeking him. Right? We just read that in Isaiah, right? Seek the Lord. Again, in Matthew chapter 7, ask, seek, knock. So we befriend people that are, uh, that are seeking other faiths. There's a difference between welcoming, loving, serving, befriending, and adopting their belief system. And sometimes we put those two things together. Like, I can't be friends with you, or I can't talk to a Muslim, or anything like that, because what if they rub off on me, right? Is our faith that fragile? Like, is that how little we trust Jesus, that we have this hope and this foundation in Jesus Christ, I sincerely hope and pray that as a church, we have lots of friends with people that are not Christians. Because how can we make disciples if we're only hanging out with disciples, right? So I really hope that you have friends that are from different faiths. I don't hope that you adopt their faith system. <laughs> I hope that we stay with Jesus because we believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Are there things that we can learn from other uh, religions and other people? Absolutely. And we do that not by shunning them and not by beating them over the head and trying to convince them of those things. We do that by building bridges. We do that by building uh, relationships and sharing love with them. So I would really encourage you to engage in that dialogue. And if you have friends, ask them to, to come check it out. We've had people from all different religious backgrounds 
uh, in worship with us from time to time here at Hope. And we love that, and we encourage that, and we just pray that they would be uh, influenced by that and that God would plant seeds of faith in their heart, and you never know what God is capable of. I've seen atheists come to faith. I've seen Muslims uh, convert to Christianity, uh, and you name it. Uh, God can do that, and he has done that all throughout the Bible. Uh, pagans, atheists, you, you name it, people that have no interest in God. So absolutely, we should we welcome them? You bet. Absolutely. Andy. And to piggyback a little bit on that as well, I think you, as you were speaking, it just made mm-hmm. me think of how important I think it is for us to have friends on either side of any issue, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's different religions or this question brought up uh, this as well. I see a lot of division in the body of Christ these days with social subjects like being Republican or being Democrat, abortion, homosexuality, even insurance. Talk about controversy. Insurance. Right? <laughs> wow. Uh, you got how, every <laughs> heavy question in yeah, one card. Right. That's great. How yeah. can we live? That's why you brought me here, right? Yep. I could just leave and never. No, yes. Okay. Uh, how can we live at peace, though, with our brothers and sisters and uh, when, when we all disagree on social issues? Uh, and then it goes on to say they all say they believe what they do because of Jesus or certain Bible verses, uh, yet they are on opposite sides. Whew. Yeah. Uh, it's just, a really good just question. Just a lot of good things. Number, yep. number one is uh, I love that word peace. And and sometimes uh, peace also is included in this idea, biblically speaking, especially with Paul. He also talks about harmony. And I, I think, and I am wired, I tend to be wired as a conflict avoider, someone who doesn't, uh, who, who appreciates smooth sailing. I like easy conversations and, and just everybody's happy and we're all great, right? I'm not a big fan of tension all the time. Yet when I look at this idea of harmony and I look at this idea of the differences that God has intentionally placed in us. Think about this for a second. He's given us all different experiences, different personality types, uh, different things that we value and, and have resonated most in our life. I mean, it's, it's not a question of if, but it's when we disagree, right? Uh, and I think I expected all of us to look the same. I think I expected life to be, and I still do at times, and I, have, I think Jesus keeps trying to drag this out of me, Mm. right? That there are going to be challenging times. Uh, think about your own family, for example, right? I mean, when people love each other, when they're in trusting relationship with each other, there is conflict. So the way that I think about harmony isn't, isn't defined as we all look the same, think the same, decide and land everywhere on the same issues the same way. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It's this idea that you be you, the person that God has created you to be, right? In a relationship with him and letting him refine you and build you and develop you, uh, and we'll all be ourselves, and then we come together. Harmony is coming together. Think about if you're familiar with music and played music or anything, right? Oftentimes, it's the dissonance between two notes. They're not the exact same note, but when they come together, they are truly more beautiful together. And it's that, it's that work that's of coming together that actually creates this whole new beauty that's not possible. Uh, and I think, honestly, this is a defining issue for us as a church in this day and age, Right? I often ask, if Jesus is not in the grave, if this Holy Spirit is alive and well and working on this earth, right? what, I mean, what does a modern-day miracle look like? I mean, it maybe is a little cliche, but I think a modern miracle is watching people who passionately disagree choose to love each other anyway in the name of Jesus and Christ. And be church. And be church. Yep. Right so a great example of this, too, is uh, so Hope uh, puts on a leadership conference. Uh, we've done three now in the last three years. And this year, we're inviting our lieutenant governor to come speak, uh, future governor, uh, as well as our attorney general. They both are a part of Lutheran Church of Hope. 
I don't know if you've listened to any headlines lately, but they're not, they're not getting along. They see differently about these things. And when we spoke to both of them on the phone to invite them, they both, we, we were very clear, like, do you know this other person's going to be there? And they said, yeah, why, why would that be an issue? I trust that will be resolved by then. We're talking about it. We're working it out. Yeah. So, uh, and just one other thing on this, too, because it gets back to people saying these different verses and things like that. Scripture, there, there are, there's a lot that goes into an interpretation, Right? So when you and I see these words, we can see it. But again, we come with almost completely different lenses based on who we are, what's happened to us, the, the choices that we've made, uh, the churches, our church backgrounds, for example, growing up. There, I lost count of how many denominations there are, Christian denominations there are even in America. I know it's yeah. thousands. Yep. Right? Because we look at this Bible and there are plenty of areas where Jesus wasn't, uh, where God wasn't crystal clear and laser focused on thou shalt believe this. Right? The big stuff, absolutely. We can agree on those things. But there are plenty of different ways to uh, interpret stuff. And um, so I think part of it is really doing our homework and remembering that this Bible we look at is a, a multi-thousand-year-old document uh, that was written in a completely different time uh, by people who saw the world. Uh, they didn't have to deal with, with some of the same things that we do. Many of the things are still there as well, but we have to get into their heads and, and make sure we're looking at it on their terms, and that helps sometimes, but there are times, I mean, mm -hmm. we know scholars, right, or even the pastoral team. I mean, I with eight other pastors out of West Des Moines, and there are things we disagree on. We vote differently. We, we look at things differently, yep. but we agree on Jesus, and, and that is what, at the end of the day, is the thing that actually holds us together. Yeah, that's what I was going to, there's a few other questions in here about church and politics, and I think Andy hit on a lot of that, and phrase we like to use a lot is that Jesus who unites us is bigger and stronger than the politics that divide us. And I think if we hold on to that and we keep the, ten, the nines and the tens, the, the major, we major in the majors and we minor in the minors, I think it's a miracle that Lutheran Church of Hope exists because we are split right down the middle. We've got Republicans and we've got Democrats and we've got everybody in between. And the fact that you are sitting here together worshiping and living in that harmony is a miracle that the world would say that can't happen. But I believe the beauty of the church is where it can happen, and we don't want to let the mission of the church get hijacked by any certain political or social agenda. And the world wants to see that happen. The culture says you can't be friends with people you disagree with, and that is a flat-out lie. And so we want to encourage you to be involved in politics. We want to encourage you to be involved in government, especially when it comes to issues that we believe are faith issues, that are God issues, and when it comes to justice uh, issues. Justice issues. Yeah. yeah, when you look at the character of God, fight for those things and speak up for those things, and those are good, but do them in the name of Jesus. Do them in the name of the mission of the church and say what is true to God's heart and his character, not placing Jesus' rubber stamp of approval on your certain political agenda. We have to be really careful uh, about that, that we elevate Jesus to the most important thing and not my certain political agenda uh, or anything like that. But I love it that we disagree uh, on those things, and, and I that's think, really good. I think in politics especially too, but any yep. disagreement, I, I think your faith shouldn't just determine what you believe, but it should determine and define the way in which yeah. you engage other people. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, this is one that goes on my list of, uh, you know this, right? Pastors have <laughs> questions that they have for God as well. Yes. Why did God create mosquitoes? I, I no tell idea. you what. Part of the ecosystem, I guess. You want me to go again? Or does that count? Okay, I'll go again. Go ahead. Uh, can an ex-prostitute lose the guilt and fear of her sin? Fantastic question. And when we do Q&A, just to pull back the curtain a little bit too, I mean, we're, we're thinking not just about what does the Bible say, what do we believe, how are we going to not sound stupid in yeah, front of you all. Yeah. 
But we're also thinking about why are these questions coming up, right? What, what's in the room? What's going on? Uh, and so we kind of have one ear to our brains and one ear to the Holy Spirit as well and just saying, uh, and I've had several scriptures. I've looked at this one for a couple minutes now. Several scriptures just pop into my mind. I love, I believe it's Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, uh, God has removed our sins from us. Yeah. I think of Romans 8.1, therefore anyone, uh, there is now no, no, no condemnation uh, for anyone who is in Christ Jesus, for what the law was powerless to do in that uh, it was trying to, to separate sin uh, and sinful human beings, God was able to do through, the Christ, through, through God uh, on the cross, through Christ on the cross. So Romans 8 would be a fantastic chapter. Look at this. The, the answer to this in my mind is yes. Absolutely. Yes, and we've talked before, and we do this in our core class. We talk about when it comes to salvation, which is a big churchy word for being rescued or set free. It's not, it's not just, it's just the, an instant one-time forgiveness of sins. You have been saved, you are saved, and you will be saved. So you have been rescued from the past. You, you are saved, and you are being saved. In other words, God loves you way too much to leave you alone, Hopefully you understand that. John 3, 16 and 17 is a great picture of that. But God loves you way too much to leave you the way that you are, yeah. right? And so it's not just, I, I saw a bumper sticker one time that just said, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. I, I do not like that word just because it takes whatever this beautiful thing is you're describing and it kind of just puts it over in the, the junk yeah. pile, right? It just minimizes and undercuts that. Uh, you have been rescued. You have been redeemed. It's not that God just made it so someday when you die, you can go to heaven. No, we absolutely believe that heaven has come to earth in Jesus Christ. It's not here in fullness yet. That's why we're waiting for the end of the story when, when the king and the hero comes back once and for all and Revelation 21 comes true where we don't have to go to funerals anymore. There's no more weeping. There's no more tears. Hmm. Uh, so we live in this tension. Um, but we believe that... Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the, I think it's 1 Corinthians 5, but it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old yeah. is gone. The new has come. So absolutely. Now, having said that, right, we live in a microwave culture. Boom, I'm healed, right? That's <laughs> what I want. I want that for my back this week. Gosh, yeah. I had a rough. Yeah. That's not the way that it works. And I don't know why. We, we don't understand that. Uh, but that's why the church exists, I think, is to bring this movement that Jesus started thousands of years ago, not, not in just some feel-good way, but in a tangible, man, the grave is empty. He's still working miracles today kind of way. Yeah. Uh, and so I would encourage you to share this with other people and to ask uh, to get somebody to mentor you, walk with you, to pray for you, read the Bible with you, all those things, yeah. because we need people around us to help us understand what forgiveness in, in its fullness can really be, how that can be experienced yeah. in our life. I love that question, and just the too. fact that that question was asked is, we have always strived to be a church that is not a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners. Mm -hmm. And if you think that you are here this morning because somehow you deserve it or because you're good enough, you're probably in the wrong church. If you're looking for the perfect church, this is not it. And I love the fact that this is a place where you can come stumbling in. Mm -hmm. just as you are. And so the fact that that question is asked, praise God for that. Whether that's you or you're asking for a friend or somebody in your life, uh, if you know people that are just seem like they're so far away from God, please invite them. Our doors are always welcome. I, I, I love that question. Sli uh, shifting gears just a little bit. I have not uh, ever been baptized. Will I go to heaven if I am not? 
That is a really good question. Mm -hmm. Here's what I say about baptism. It's not why should you, it's why wouldn't you? Uh, for me, coming to faith, so in the, in the New Testament, uh, when people were being baptized, so in the, in the book of Acts, like the Holy Spirit comes, Peter preaches this sermon, people are cut to the heart, people are coming to faith, and all throughout the, the, the early church, the mantra that they say, that, that following the words of Jesus are repent, which means to turn around, stop going the way you're going in your life, and turn around and uh, go the other way, so repent and be baptized. It was never just repent. And it was never just be baptized. It was repent and be baptized. It was turn from your sins and be baptized. As if, why would you not have one without the other, right? Now, some of you just like peanut butter. And some of you weird people just like jelly, right? But peanut butter and jelly go together in my mind, right? <laughs> Repentance and baptism go together. Why would you not be baptized? Baptism is an outward sign of a transformation that's taking place on the inside. It is, is the, the, the defining uh, marker of coming to faith. Now, we have some different views about that as Lutherans, as we baptize infants as well, but here's what I'll say. Does baptism save? No. Jesus saves through baptism. Yeah. Okay? And you might think I'm splitting hairs there, but there is a big difference. Okay? Every time we baptize somebody up here, uh, and we did this last January, uh, we had like 45 people come up and get baptized after the services. It was awesome. And there was, there was little kids, and there was uh, middle-aged folks, and there was grandpas and grandmas, and everybody in between. It's never too early, and it's never too late. But the thing that's true about all of it, there's nothing magical about that water. There's nothing magical about us as pastors. It's not that we do something. God does something. And for, for babies and infants, he plants those seeds of faith, and we believe the character of God is that he is a father who adopts us, and that adoption language is all throughout Scripture. And so when a baby's baptized, they're adopted into the family of God, that God loves them. As Andy said, God desires all people to, to believe, to have faith, and come to a knowledge of the truth, uh, as well as Jesus is the one that saves us. He's the one that changes hearts. If baptism saved, if, if, if there was something magical about Des Moines tap water, I would get out a hose every single week, and I would just, shh, just spray everybody down and say, we're saved. It's great. Salvation's bigger than that. It's deeper than that, and it's, it, we want it to be real. We want you to know why you're believing what you're believing. But baptism is this thing that God initiates. Baptism is not something that we deserve. And so as Lutherans, we believe that God comes and the Holy Spirit works in our lives and he creates that faith in us. And then as we are baptized, we're responding to what God is doing in our lives. Okay, so God is the great initiator. He's the father that comes to us and initiates that adoption relationship as sons or daughters. So I haven't been baptized. Will I go to heaven if I am not? If you wrote that question, I would love to talk with you after worship today. And I would love to schedule a baptism and talk more about that. We have baptism class this Thursday. Uh, we invite, if you have questions about that, we would love for you to come. We do those about every other month uh, as well. So haven't been baptized? Why not? Mm -hmm. Love to talk to you more. All right, uh, why did God create the devil and all of the evil in the world? Man, just nice. Oh, good, I have two yes. devil questions. I'll <laughs> let you do it, good. Yeah, uh, so, so here's my understanding of that, and I love to use, because it's kind of a get-out-of-jail-free card a little bit, but I love to use this, uh, this phrase, this is my best understanding to date, right? So, so many of these questions, especially when you get into creation and evil and all these things, uh, I mean, I'm continually, I, I feel like we're tested on this as well. Yeah. Uh, so, and we find ourselves in situations, in fact, I found myself in a situation this week with a father who, uh, <clears throat> him and his wife and their other daughter as well, he had two kids, uh, all out playing in their backyard and they had an accident. Uh, his two-year-old son hit his head, uh, didn't make it. 
And so I found myself walking into a situation with a family on Friday morning, and there was this dad, this father of a two-year-old, right, who has just lost his son and, and was just feet away and had to wrestle with all this, right? And you talk about, I'm able to process it better now. I, I don't know if I could told this story even a day or two ago without crying, but, right? I mean, we don't have to go far to tangibly want to ask this question, where do these things come from? Right? And why does this happen? And, mm. and both John and I, I think, have landed with, when, often when we preach at funerals, that's one of the things that we tend to bring up is this idea, man, we're here today, and there's hope in the resurrection, and we're glad God has this, right? And, and yet we may have unanswered questions, unanswered, unanswered things we wish we would have said. And one of those, those questions sometimes is, why did God take this person from us? Uh, and I think both of us are pretty clear in the way that we preach, right? God didn't take this person. Uh, death took this person. But here's the good news is Jesus takes death, right? We don't believe that God causes bad things to happen. We look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, the fact that God even sent Jesus, and the fact that Jesus spent all of his time fighting against evil and brokenness uh, and just the anguish that this world seems to heap on us. So I, we, don't, we don't know the exact reason why this happens. I think the best way that I can understand the current state of the world and why it's such a hard place to live often uh, is this idea, again, that I think when God created us, when he laid out what it looks like for us to be in a relationship with him as, as his creation that he wanted to give us uh, an authentic sense of love. And I think authentic love comes through the ability to set your own course. Uh, if we were robots, if God programmed us, I don't think that's really what I would call a relationship. And everything I see about God is throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament is that he's willing to give us some rope right, to, to, uh, to extend, he doesn't have a leash on us, right, he's willing to give us the opportunity uh, to create space in that relationship, and unfortunately, right, uh, there's a paradox there, with him giving us love and freedom comes pain and brokenness, and so we enjoy this one thing, but there's this other side of the coin with that that's, that's hard, and so the reason why, even as soon as Genesis chapter 3, you can already begin to see God's rescue mission launching. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but when he's chewing out the snake or the serpent for, for tempting uh, Adam and Eve, he says, man, your days are numbered. Yep. I'm, I'm coming. I'm going to rescue these people. And so what you have most of the Bible being is this rescue plan. Uh, so I think, that's, I think that's where he's at. If the Bible doesn't tell us why or where these things come from, Bible spends the majority of its time telling us what God's going to do about it. Uh, and that's a whole heck of a lot. And that's why I love being a part of a church like this is I, we get to see that lived out yeah. often in, this, in these circumstances. In terms of the creation of uh, the devil, I don't think God created the devil either. I think he created angels. Uh, and again, it came back to that freedom of choice. The devil rebelled uh, and, and is doing what he, he's done. Now, again, right, John and I have questions for God when we get to heaven someday. And this is a big one for me still. Why couldn't you just have done this? And I I even think one of my favorite, uh, the mo uh, not my favorite because I don't like doing funerals, but the most helpful uh, passages of scripture when I wrestle with this kind of stuff is uh, the story of Lazarus. 
right? So, so Lazarus is Jesus' dear friend. Sisters say, hey, he's sick. He's about to die. Come. He's only one day's journey away, and yet it takes Jesus four days to get there, right? So when, they, when he gets there, they're ticked. They're hurt, and they're angry at Jesus, much like many of us, I know, have been at times in our life when we feel like that, and we just want to let God have it. I think that's why he gave us the Psalms, so we can have a vocabulary to be mad at God. <laughs> Uh, and and the, he shows up, right? And I can just picture Jesus rolling into town or whatever. I'm sure he didn't walk like yeah. this, but, right? And, and in a just, Honda. Yeah. Because him and the disciples were in one accord. <laughs> <laughs> can we just acknowledge that for a second? Wow. I'll be here all week. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> just like to break the oh tension a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus walks up to him. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Jesus walks, walks up to him and they say, God. They say, Jesus, if only you had been here, yeah. right? And I'm not ready to say that to this dad that I met on Friday morning, but it's going to come, right? I mean, all of us have these if-onlys. And, and the, the amazing thing is that God shows up even in the midst of that. Uh, there are so many things we don't understand. And like I said, we have a long list for God ourselves. Yeah. But what he's revealed to us over and over again is just this fact that he's here and you're not alone and he's, he's bigger than even this. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. There was, that was a lot. A lot of people ask, where's God in the middle of pain and suffering? He's right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And like Andy said, we just have to be really careful about the phrases we choose to use and make sure that we're praying and using discernment on that, that we don't inflict extra hurt and pain. God did not take that person. God did not need that person more than us. Please never say that. That's not helpful at all. Um, and Heaven uh, didn't need one more. Heaven didn't need one more angel, yeah. anything like that. God doesn't need anything. He's God. Uh, as well as, what was the one that somebody asked last night? I thought that was a really important question. Um, I'm blanking. Oh, man. It'll come to me. One other thing yeah. about that, though. If you ever find yeah. yourself in a situation, somebody says something and it's really heavy and you don't know what to say. Yeah. This phrase. I got this from Brene Brown. Yep. I'm so glad you told me. Right? Yep. And then just be quiet and just... Be with them. Listen. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, okay, there are a couple different ways of saying this. There's two questions that are essentially asking the same thing. How do you know if God is speaking to you? How do you know if you're hearing from God and not being influenced by other things? And I'm curious about discernment. How do you discern what God is saying? So those two questions are kind of uh, in, in the same way. A lot of times uh, in worship, when, when we're here, uh, you know, you'll hear somebody in your life say, uh, I heard from God on this, or I'll say from up front here, uh, I just sense that God wants you to hear this uh, this morning or something like that. That's not something that we want to flippantly throw around. We don't want to s- put God's rubber stamp on something that I feel like, I feel like I should just go leave my family and move to Florida or something. We don't want to just put God's name on things. But we do believe as Christians, we believe that the Bible said God is still speaking to us. Jesus has much more to say through us through the power of his Holy Spirit. So God speaks. Jesus in John 10, I am the shepherd and my sheep know my voice, right? We talked about that about a month ago. God still speaks to us. Now, there are a lot of different ways we can hear from God. Some people say, I've never heard from God because I haven't heard that voice. Like, hey, Andy, it's God. Order pizza tonight. You know, like we... (laughs) Some of you are like, I've never heard that, and that's okay. And some of you think, well, I've never heard from God. God can speak through a lot of different ways. Yes, God can speak audibly, and maybe some of you have heard from him audibly. I never have, and that's okay. But I know that I've heard from God, 
And he confirms that in a lot of different ways. God speaks, his spirit speaks to the spirit that's inside of us. God can speak through other people. God can speak through trusted friends and spiritual leaders. God can speak definitely through his word. That's probably the best way. God can speak through prayer. God can speak through our circumstances, through nature. God speaks a lot of different ways. But how do you know if it's you or if it's him? A couple things. Number one, does it line up with scripture, right? If God's calling you to do something, that's why we're called to know the Bible and know the heart and the character of God. You hear something like, or uh, should I make this decision? Should I go here? Should I marry this person? Should I go to this school? Should I move here? Should I take this job? Whatever it is that you're wrestling with, does it line up with the character and heart of God? Number two, uh, have you asked anybody else about it? Never make decisions in isolation. All of us have blinders. All of us have blind spots. And we need to know that we're making the best decision by asking for other people's wisdom and discernment. Other people can help us hear from God. And finally, number three, a question I would challenge you to ask is, what is the fruit of it? If I make this decision, will this help me uh, bear the kind of fruit that God wants me to bear? Is this going to help me become the kind of person I want to be? Is, is this going to bring about the fruits of the Spirit in my life? What impact is this going to make on the people around me? Is this going to help me be the parent or the, the spouse that I want to be? Is this going to help me be the friend or the, the, the employee that God's calling me to be? So we have to ask those questions uh, as well in that process. And then ultimately, I love what Jesus says. He says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Jesus wants to have a daily, living, intimate, conversational relationship with you. And as the more you read scripture, the more you learn to hear his voice, God is always speaking. The question is, are you listening? God wants to share things with you. And at the end of the day, there are some questions that as you run them through that matrix, and there doesn't seem like a clear right or wrong, good or evil, bad or good decision to make, God ultimately says, I believe, I trust you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I want to be in relationship with you. And so let's walk through this life together. You know what? And if you choose to go to, uh, this is a terrible example, but if you choose to go to Iowa State instead of Iowa, I, bad example. You made the right choice. You right? made the, uh, <laughs> if you. <laughs> I take that back. Where I was going uh, was if, if you choose this college over that college or this person over that person or what, what, this job over that job, ultimately in the end in those things, God says, I am going to be right there with you no matter what. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. So can you hear the voice of God? Absolutely. And we encourage you to seek him in that. Can I do one more? One more. Okay. And I'm going to do one more and then we're If good. Christians think the earth is only a few thousand years old, how do you explain the light of stars thousands of light years away whose light takes much longer to reach the earth? I would simply tell you that not every Christian thinks the world is three to six or whatever young new creation uh, is. Uh, it, there's a whole spectrum of belief. I, I think this touches on something I'm really passionate about as well. Uh, there are Christian traditions and pockets of Christianity that would say science and religion, scared of each yeah. other, uh, don't work together, don't complement each other, uh, versus I think we would say they're absolutely uh, intertwined. I see the Bible is giving us the why and the who. Uh, I think science gives us the how. Uh, and, and it's just amazing to me. We've even talked about this as a pastoral team, right? How many scientists uh, are in our congregation? And I think how often things can be portrayed that would even say, why are you, you know, that it, we don't do this at Hope as much. I'm sure we've done it before. But I've, I've been a part or seen things in Christian experiences where it's like, Man, why would we undervalue that? Why would we say that doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. Clearly, like, we live in a day and an age where God has given us incredible brains and incredible technology. And yet, I think we could be scared of that or not know what to do with that. I think, again, it's part of why even we're doing the Q&A. We're continuing to wrestle with this tension between 
you know, in, in part of the scriptures, Paul says, right, have a reason for the hope that you have. Do your homework. Try and understand yeah. and be able to explain this stuff. And on the other hand, Paul also says, right, we look in a mirror that has a puzzling reflection. Or other translations say it's a, it's, we look through a glass that's dimly lit, right? It's blurry. We can't understand it. But that doesn't mean we don't keep searching. Now, should we do all these things that our science and technology will allow us? That's a whole other question. But they are absolutely to, together. Uh, and we've even done sermon series that included things like evolution, for example. Like, can that, right? And again, this is like a lot of things. Even as a pastoral team, we probably could land in different places a little bit, right? It's mm -hmm. Jesus what holds us together. But science and religion, science and faith, absolutely. Not you can even go back to, there's a, a, I think it's at Oxford in the, the, uh, the big telescope there in the stone, right? They have, they have Bible verses etched in that because at one point uh, in the Western uh, Hemisphere, we saw science and faith together. They weren't, they weren't opposed as yeah. many believe today. This is on the far other end of the spectrum, but we'll end with this one today because I have a couple things I want to say about it. Uh, what spiritual disciplines do you practice on a daily and weekly basis? That is a really good question. Um, there are so many spiritual disciplines. There is... Uh, a worship, which we're doing right now. There's reading scripture, there's prayer, there's fasting, there's confession, there's serving, there's being in community, all these things. I want to highlight a couple because Andy's here today, and I'm always talking to you about community, and you got to move from rows to circles, right? We want to move into community. We want to live up in and out. We want to live three-dimensionally, all those things. Um, Andy and I and, and one other guy uh, in ministry uh, at Hope, we meet weekly. And we meet as Andy and John and this other gentleman, not so much as Pastor Andy and Pastor John. And as best we can, we try to let down our guard and let the walls down a little bit. Because that might be one of the most important spiritual disciplines that I practice because it keeps me real and it keeps me honest and above and beyond anything else that we want to do, whether we get all these questions right or not. We want to be real. We want to be authentic, and we want to be the same guys up here as we are during the week or in our living room with our wife or with our kids, in front of the scenes, behind the scenes, when the lights are on and when the lights are off. And a super important spiritual discipline, I believe, is having people around you that can tell you the truth. Andy's spoken some hard truths into my life, and I've spoken some hard yeah. truths into his life. And if you don't have those types of people in your life, fight for it. Work for it. Pray about it. Ask people. You cannot do Christianity alone. Jesus didn't. He surrounded himself with community. And the other thing that I'll say about that, there's a story that uh, Donald Miller, uh, an author, tells in a book called Blue Like Jazz. And at the end, he's interviewing a president of a big Christian organization. And he's asking him questions. And he asks him the question, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? And this very famous, well-known leader of this Christian organization sits back in his chair. And he just begins to weep. Of joy and gratitude and thankfulness. And then Miller, the author, writes at the end of this book. He says, I don't know what was going through his mind. But that's all the answer that I needed. And he says, I wonder what it would be like to love Jesus like that. And at the end of the day, we, we have 
questions that will go unanswered. But at the end of the day, that's my hope and my prayer for all of us and spiritual disciplines in your daily life. What would it look like to love Jesus like that? To have that intimacy with him, to know him and to be known by the God of the universe and know that he loves you exactly right where you are this morning. The goal of prayer and reading the Bible and coming to worship and all these things isn't to go through the motions. It's to be known and to be loved by God. And when we sing and when we worship, as we're going to close here and worship in a little bit, let it be so natural and so real. Please don't go through the motions. Is it real for you? That's the question today. What would it, what would it look like to love Jesus like that? I want you to know that we got through a few of the questions, but definitely not all of them. And so we are going to use these. These are so helpful for planning future sermon topics that we talk about. But I also want you to know you can call us, any of the pastors at Hope. You can email us at any point, And we would love to get together with you because most questions deserve more than two minutes. Uh, and we would love to sit down with you and get coffee and get to know you more. Email us questions if you'd rather do that. Uh, you can ask them for a friend. If you want to ask anonymously, that's totally fine too. Questions are really, really good. Seek the Lord while he may be found, Isaiah 55 says. And at the end of the day, some of you are here today and you have questions and doubts that we didn't get to that you didn't even want to ask because you feel like, man, I've been struggling with this for a long time and I don't... I don't know how God's going to get me through whatever I'm in. Some of you are saying, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to make my next month rent, rent payment on my apartment. I know that for a fact for some of you. Some of you are saying, I wonder when I'm going to get out of the shelter. Some of you are wondering, I wonder where I'm going to get my next meal. Some of you are wondering, can God save my marriage? Some of you are wondering, can me and my spouse get the intimacy back that we once had? God, can you make a way in that? Is that even possible? God, I feel so far away or distant or empty in my relationship with you. God, can you make a way? And the answer is absolutely he can. God is right in the middle of your mess. And he's right in the middle of your questions and he wants to be near to you. And he is so close to you today and he wants to be in a relationship with you. And he says so because he came for you. For God so loved the world that he gave you his one and only son that if you place your hope and your faith and your trust not in you being good enough, but in him, you'll have faith. You'll have eternal life. And that's something to be thankful for today. So as we close, I want to invite you to stand and the band's going to lead us in this final song. Where there is no way, God, you make a way. Let's sing this out together.